the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for all things man, husband, and father. We provide content to help men become the men they want to be. My name is Brent, and I am the Fallible Man. And on today's show, I'm talking with businessman, husband, father, and fellow podcaster, Brian Hamilton. Brian and his wife, Tanya, have, are the founders and hosts of Disrupt the Everyday Podcast. This is the Fallible Man Podcast, your home for everything man, husband, and father. Here is your host, the fallible man, Brent Dowling. Brian, welcome to the Fallible Man Podcast. Brent, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, and uh, I'm excited to have this conversation. I, uh, you have a very unique name, sir. I've never actually heard <laughs> someone's first name is Brian. Well, there is a story behind it, as you might imagine. Uh, I was actually, I'm actually a junior, so I'm named after my dad. And on my dad's birth certificate, it was filled out for whatever reason by my great-grandmother, who's Irish. And the story goes that she wrote Brian the way she said it. So it was Brian instead of Brian. So. <laughs> well, that's a good, that's a good story. I like that. It's a good explanation. Uh, yeah, I, I read it and I had to read it a couple times. Like, am I reading this right? Was that a typo? Uh, so I, I feel better now. It's like, hmm, I'm going to screw that up sometime in this episode. <laughs> well, well, for us not discussing it uh, beforehand, you nailed it. Oh. Oh, that's a better start than some of my shows. So, <laughs> Brian, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today, reaching out to us on vacation. That's a, that's a lot of dedication. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't read accolades. I don't I, – I get a little chance to research you guys before the show, before you're on my show, and see what you're doing. And, and one of the coolest things about podcasting, as you know, is I get to meet a lot of really interesting people. But our guests never really truly – I mean, I can read accolades all day and it just doesn't click, right? So right. who is Brian Hamilton? All right. Well, Brian Hamilton is a husband and father of four. Uh, my wife, Tanya, and I just celebrated 14 years of marriage, uh, actually last week. So uh, exciting time for us. Uh, also, uh, aside from that, uh, in terms of my work life, I am a system engineer with Omnigo Software. And Omnigo is a company that focuses on incident reporting software. So we serve the law enforcement community, public safety, and my background prior to that was 15 years in the security industry, primarily in the healthcare space. Uh, I'm also a podcaster, so I do host uh, three podcasts, uh, as, as the aforementioned Disrupt the Everyday podcast, the Healthcare Security Cast, and the Proactive Security Podcast. And also, I serve as the president-elect of the International Association for Healthcare Security and Safety, which is a it's an industry association that focuses, again, on healthcare security. So that's been a passion for me for a, a long time. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it gives me an opportunity to really contribute to my industry. So I've really been enjoying that role. Um, and I guess if you want to talk about accolades, uh, last year in 2020, I was named to the Canadian Security Magazine's top 10 under 40. So uh, that's that's me in a, in a nutshell. Uh, husband and father of four is uh, you know the obviously the, the reason why I'm on here, man, father, husband, and you know that that kind of sums up who I am in a nutshell. And I'm just again excited to have this conversation with you today. So this is where I tease you about the cookie cutter answer because uh, <laughs> on your podcast you'd eat somebody alive for that. That that was like straight off your bio, man. But who who is Brian? You, man, I I appreciate one of the things you brought up when we were talking uh, setting this up was you emphasized husband and father and man working on personal development, right? Uh, which of course caught my attention because that definitely feeds to my audience. Um as you've been on this discovery, right? 
and, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because I'm going to, if I, if I just wander here, that's why I take notes. But, uh, so let's roll into that too. Tell me where you were. Cause like I said, I read your bio, but tell me where you were, what drove you to change. You said you didn't really get into personal development until you were 30 and you wish you had started sooner. Yeah. So I guess, uh, you know, I'll go back to, you know, I told you who I am. I'll tell you who I was 16 years ago. So when I was 23 years old. At that time, I found myself in a position where I was actually, you know, in a bad financial state. I was bankrupt. I just went through a divorce. And, you know, there was one point where I actually contemplated taking my life. I remember I was driving home from work. I was on the highway. You know, it was just one of those times where, you know, I felt like I'd hit rock bottom. Uh, and, you know, I, I was just like, I could I could end this all right now. I was like, I could end this all. You know, it would look like an accident. And, you know, no one has to see or hear from me again. And I'm I'm kind of out of this rut that I'm in. But... For whatever reason, I, I decided, you know what? No, I've just got to, I've got to make a change. I've got to make things better. So, you know, I just, I started on the journey then of just trying to grow in my career. I was already working in the security industry. So I, you know, I started taking on more roles. Uh, I eventually met Tanya, who's my wife now. And, you know, from the moment I met her, again, it's going to sound weird because I just went through a, through a divorce not too long before, but I knew that she was a person I wanted to spend the rest of my life with. So for us to be able to get married, again, I was bankrupt at this time, so there wasn't a, I, I didn't have credit. I, I, I started working a second job and eventually a third job. So I was working two full-time jobs and a part-time job so that we didn't have to go into debt for our wedding. Uh, we were married within two years of our first date. And then from there, uh, the, the job that was actually my third job at the time was as a, as a security professional at a hospital in downtown Toronto. So started working there. I very quickly got up to the point where I was, a, a we called it a charge officer, which is essentially the equivalent of a shift lead. I was working night shifts and my goal was always to get into, uh, get into policing. Uh, but, you know, looking at it, I, I realized it wasn't really, really the life for me. And then once I had my, my first son, I realized the night shifts that I had been doing for the couple of years at that point were, were tough and I wasn't going to be able to do that long-term. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to focus on management. I'm going to focus on growing in this industry. and you know, by that time, when my son was born, uh, I, was, I was 27 years old. Uh, so I, again, I started working on myself, but it was really, I, I was just, tr I, I wasn't doing a lot of the things I do now. I was just trying to, you know, just figure things out by following the work path. Like I was, I just tried to be really good at my job and hope that would lead to the next thing. But, it, you know, it took me in, it took me into my thirties and having, you know, having a set of twins after my son to, to really realize, okay, I'm going to have to take this more seriously. And I'm going to have to find other ways to actually grow in my career. So that was that was kind of what led to the change for me. Uh, I, I started doing a, a lot of different things, which I'm, I'm sure we'll probably get into as we have this discussion. But uh, yeah, I, when I just realized that what I was doing wasn't enough, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to need to do more, and we'll we'll kind of go down the we'll, we'll go down that rabbit trail, I'm sure. But I'm I, you you probably have some follow ups just based on what I said there. It's amazing what a catalyst kids are, isn't it? Oh my uh, gosh, yeah. I, I talk to so many men. I feel very privileged to do that. I've watched so many men whose lives have changed drastically once you added children to the equation. Um, guys that you just, I mean, you looked at and you're like, wow, he's going to kill himself before he's 21. You know, you add children to the situation and all of a sudden this person that you're like, <laughs> I'm amazed you're still alive. Um, all of a sudden becomes a real person. And it's not that they weren't a real person before, but their perspective on the world changes drastically. And all of a sudden you have to take a really real look at your life when it's not just you anymore. 
that's I, I love I love that story because it's a very relatable story, right? Any of our listeners who have ever had kids know exactly what we were talking about. This is a moment where you just go, Oh, I uh hmm. It's not all about me. Yeah. The world just uh changed a lot. I, I have a coworker I worked with for years and years and years. And I watched him go from the 20 some odd year old who hated it when all of us start talking about our families to getting married. I, I had, it was very, to me, it was very privileged because I got to watch this journey. I worked with him long enough that I watched him get married and then he had a son and he started actually like sounding like a real person. And, you know, the first time he actually asked some of us like, Hey, I have a question my son did this. Is, is that normal? Should we become, it was like, Oh, you're real. Okay. <laughs> and then I just had the privilege recently. He just had a daughter about five months ago. And when he found out his wife was pregnant with a daughter, it drastically like, I mean, whew, he looked at me, he's like, how do you do this? Cause I have two little girls. I was seven year old and a nine year old. And he looked at me as like, how do you even look at the world and not worry about everything and automatically think every guy is a scumbag and automatically just like want to run around with a gun going, stay away from my kid. Stay away. Stay away. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I, I, you know, I had a boy and I didn't think anything about it, but I said, uh-huh, you know, you have, you're, you're having a girl and now it's another dimension added. But fatherhood is just such a joining I've enjoyed that with a lot of the guests I've gotten to talk to with. And this, this is great. You're in Canada, right? You're in Ontario is what you said. There, there's great. no way our paths would cross normally, except we have this amazing world of podcasting and the internet. So I got to ask you the most important question of the show here. Okay. What is your favorite ice cream? My favorite ice cream. So uh, it's funny. I think my favorite ice cream is this, you know, we have this place. I don't know if you have it in the U S but uh, marble slab and they make this coffee ice cream that I that I quite enjoy. So there's that that, or any any kind of any kind of ice cream that uses uh, those those peanut butter and chocolate cups in them. We have something called a uh, Cold Stone. Y'all have yes, that and, and actually we have we we do have Cold Stone here as well. So same idea so kind of thing. It's, yeah, very very similar idea. Okay, uh, I think I've actually seen a marble slab back before they forever ago when they closed the border is what it seems like now. Um, yeah, we would go up to Vancouver, Victoria and BC every now and then. So that, that, that is the important universal question, man, because everybody <laughs> loves ice cream. I know people who are lactose intolerant, who can't eat ice cream, who still just like torture themselves <laughs> with ice cream and weak spot for some of us we got a little extra because of it. It, it doesn't necessarily agree with me either, but um, yeah, I'd have a hard time turning down a good uh, coffee flavored ice cream. It doesn't agree with me because my waistband gets bigger. <laughs> so I was reading in your bio and you said that you would like to help at least one person. If, if one person not make the same mistakes that you've faced in your life, in hindsight, you know, what, what are a couple of those that you really want to be able to help men get away from? 
Yeah, well, number one is just understanding, there, and there's a lot of them, but number one is just really understanding your finances. Because again, I had talked about being bankrupt early on in the show. I didn't really understand finances as a young person and got myself into a lot of trouble for, uh, from that. So, you know, really take the time to understand finances. Right now, I'm I'm making sure to educate my kids on finances, make sure they understand saving, make sure they understand just the you know, priorities around spending money. So if they want to spend money, there's a certain amount that they have to put into their long-term savings. So again, it's just part of that education, you know, as they get older, teaching them to have a credit card, not for the purpose of just spending money, but actually just to build credit. So have that, pay it off, don't actually carry a balance. So things like that, like just important lessons that probably every man should know. But I, I feel like a lot of us don't really get taught. I know I definitely didn't get taught those lessons. Oh, but yeah, in terms of that um, personal development, again, just take the time to get better and think about the uh, the long game, not the short game. Just think about making those small, gradual improvements every day and letting it compound. Again, even with finances, when you talk about you, you talk about compound interest and things like that, it, it works the same way for developing skills. So you don't need to be over. You don't have to have overnight proficiency, but just work on something, build slowly, and you know by the end of a month, by the end of a year, you'll see that you've developed a great deal in that skill. But I, I guess as far as the man things, um, just know, just understand to be content in whatever situation you're in. That was something that I learned from my dad. He really, he really modeled that in his behavior. He never really got too high on the highs or too low on the lows. Uh, he, you know, he, he understood, and I, I guess he understood this better than I did as a young person. I understand it now, but whatever situation you're in, it, it's eventually going to be over. So you, you just need to just to endure and be content with the, the situation as it is. Man, it's like talking to a mirror. I swear to God. <laughs> We, you would think we've had these conversations. <laughs> I, 2020 was a huge year for me financially because I had the dawning realization at 40. So I waited another 10 years, uh, at 40 on how little I actually understood about finance. I didn't know anything about it. And I don't blame my parents for anything because my dad didn't know anything about money. They weren't ever taught about exactly. it. Exactly. Right. And then I started thinking about it. I realized we aren't taught this in school. I, I went to public school and I'm generally a fan of public education for the most part. We don't teach this. They didn't teach me anything about money in school. I got a notice from my company 401k, right? And up until that moment, a 401k was something they said in the interview. It, it didn't mean anything to me, <laughs> right? But they said they were making some changes and sent me a link to my email. So I thought, hey, I should sign in and see what I got. Clicked on it. And the company that hosts our 401k for my company happens to be the same one that hosts the 401k for my previous company. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah, that, that was really convenient. <laughs> but it was earth shattering because I looked and I was like, oh, that must be my, okay, that's my old company account. And I see it sitting in a money fund. And I didn't know what a money fund was. So I, I what's that? And they rolled this over. I had been at my new company for six and a half years with that money for my old company sitting in a money fund. Now it was safe. And if you guys don't know what a money fund is, it's, it's very secure, but you aren't going to make anything on it. <laughs> like it, it's embarrassingly, it's, it's almost about as a savings account. And so for six and a half years, cause I didn't know anything about it. That money sat there doing nothing for me. Yeah. It's like, <gasps> and then, so I started asking questions and, studying and looking up stuff on the internet. And it's like, I don't know anything about this. Where are my other 401ks? I know I've worked for other companies that have them. Where are all those at? 
I, I should try and figure that out, right? I mean, my 401k jumped, I think, $130 in value just investing it in something other than the money fund. Like, instant return, just, just putting it in, in an investment as opposed to it sitting there. And so, yeah, 2020 was a huge year. And I actually did, I have a four or five video series on my YouTube channel about teaching your kids about finance because that's something I started this year. Yeah. I actually pay my kids to read books about finance and business. My six, seven-year-old and my nine-year-old, I found age, find age-appropriate books and they have to read them and do a book report on them. And then I pay them and they have to invest 30% of it in long-term investments. They have to donate 10% and they get to keep the rest. But my nine-year-old knows about uh, shipping and receiving and like tariffs and she's never paid taxes in her life and she knows they're horrible, <laughs> right? Uh, because it's like, I, I had this it's like, okay, I'm 40. I don't know how much I can do about it, but I can start making sure my kids don't end up here, right? Yeah. So I did a whole series with them. They have a business. They, they make t-shirts on Redbubble and sell them kids for kids designs kind of stuff. It's, it's awesome, but it's all part of a, I don't care if they make money. It's all part of educating them on stuff. I didn't learn until I was 40. Right. So it, it, this is just such a common ground. How many of us ha- guys, if you're listening to the show, man, comment in the comments, how many of you were never taught anything about finances? Seriously, share with us. Cause wow, it's, I, I'm seeing this common thread with people I talk to of just, we're not taught about money and I don't understand why not. Right. You would think, yeah, it's kind of an important thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's interesting. Like my dad, he, uh, same idea. He didn't teach me about money, but it's again, because he didn't have that knowledge himself either. And you can only, right. you, you can only give what you, what you have to give. Right. Um, I, I know one, one of the folks I interviewed, uh, his name is Jeff Martin. One of the things he said when he was on our podcast was, you know, don't give your children what you didn't have. Give them what you didn't know. So, and I, and I think we kind of coincide there where we're trying to do that with our kids and instill those values in them. So tell us a little bit about what the Disrupt the Everyday podcast is. Go plug your show, man. Tell us what it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So the Disrupt the Everyday podcast is a podcast that, again, is hosted by myself and my wife, Tanya. And we don't have one specific topic that we uh, that we focus on. We, we focus on a broad number of topics. So our first guest was Barbara Colorosso, who's a parenting expert. Uh, she's been on Oprah. She's been on CNN, all the, the three-letter networks, essentially. So she was our first guest. Uh, we followed that up with uh, a talk about relationships where we had Andrea and Jonathan Taylor Cummings, who are TEDx speakers. And they, they've published a book recently called the, the Four Habits. It's focused on the four habits that are necessary in any successful relationship. So we talked about things like relationship, uh, finances, which we've been talking about, personal development, uh, self-awareness, uh, communication, pretty much anything that you can imagine. So basically the goal for the Disrupt the Everyday podcast is that folks can come to our, our website. And, and like, this is a long-term goal, but folks can come to our website, whatever it is that they're wanting to learn about or maybe they're struggling with. They'll be able to just do a quick search on our website and they're going to find a, a podcast episode that's covering that. And at the end of the day, they're going to learn something and they're going to have another resource that they can reach out to in that guest. You uh, you guys have some really interesting guests. You've had some good ones on there. I was listening Thanks. to one you did, I want to say it's three or four episodes back, maybe five uh, on resilience, uh, yes. female guest. 
uh, who is a podcaster or something herself. She has a pretty big following listening to her talk, but it was, it was a really good show, man. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Resilience is my superpower. It was called. Yes. Yes. I know. yes that's it. That's the one I was in, actually listening to that earlier at work because I wanted to get an idea of how you guys flow on your show because I'm always trying to learn, right? Because I don't know that my podcast is the best podcast or my format is the best format. So when I get to talk to other podcasters, it's like, oh, well, how do you guys do your show? And I, so I want to listen to that a little bit. And uh, I, I told you I was really mystified by the whole who is on your bio. I was like, we start our shows with the question, who is? Like, what is that? I, I, I want to know more <laughs> about what that question is. Yeah, exactly. And when we ask that question, sometimes it's a really quick, like 30 second answer. Other times it's a 10 minute answer, depending on what the person's comfortable sharing about themselves and, you know, what they really, where they want that conversation to go. A lot of times is going to be really dictated by what they say in that, in that who is. Well, it's, it's one of those scary questions for a lot of people, <laughs> right? Most people, you know, I, I asked you, who is Brian Hamilton? And it's like, you, you've got some experience because you've done podcasting. I've got some people I've asked that question to, and it's like a deer in the headlights look just instantly. They're like, what have you done? Uh, uh, I had a guest on podcast episode. I published this week. I had Aaron young. If you get a chance to get Aaron young, dude, you should get him for your show. He's incredible for sure. Okay. Uh, you can hook him up on Podmatch that we both use. Um, spectacularly interesting individual, but I asked him, it's like, so who is Aaron Young? And he's like, Oh wow. I I've been <laughs> meaning to work on that question. Cause I've been doing a little more promotional media and I really still, I need to come up with a good answer to that. But I just, I'm such a bad self promoter. It's like, and he took like 10 minutes to answer the question <laughs> because he's trying to fill it out as he goes, because he's a, he's a really deep thinker. And it's really obvious when you talk to him is like, Ah, not, not ready for that one. That's okay. The ice cream question threw him off even more. So. <laughs> yeah. The ice cream one, when I, I heard you ask that and I was like, okay, I'm, I'll, I'll be ready for this one. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I cut that out of a lot of the podcast episodes. A lot of pu the public doesn't, don't hear that. I actually asked all my guests that but I end up cutting it out of the show for time usually. And so I, I get a really deer in the headlights look on that one too. It's like, uh, where did that come from? Dude, it's, it's ice cream. It's important. You just have to understand. <laughs> yeah. You got to get your priorities. Life right. is, you know, I, I, so I, I can only assume you're incredibly busy. You and your wife both. Right. And you have multiple kids to deal with. One of the biggest problems for me I've learned is just balancing life. Right. With, cause I work a full-time job. I have this and I also have my lovely wife who's engineering the podcast and my two children and they're the world to me. And so I actually have to schedule in time. So I don't know if you notice on my con on my calendar, Wednesday nights are blocked out there. There's nothing. I come home from my nine to five job and from the time I walk, get home till the time I go to bed, that's the girl's time period. So we, we watched, I think a couple TV shows and my wife was out shopping last night and we ate ice cream sundaes and chocolate syrup and whipped cream and, you know, crumbled some uh, Oreos over the top of it kind of thing because it, it's just memories. My dad was a big ice cream person. Like we'd go okay. out. His weight at the end of his life proved that, but, you know, I'm trying to do better than that. 
every time like we go out on the weekend and go driving and I could guarantee we're going to stop at a gas station. He was going to be up, buy me an ice cream. Right. That's the whole reason I went driving with him. Cause I knew I was getting ice cream. As I went. <laughs> yeah. With, with me, it was donuts. My dad loved fishing and I absolutely oh, donuts. despised fishing, but it was like the one thing that my dad really loved. So tried to be a good son, tried to go out there with him and, and do those fishing trips. But I knew he was going to buy donuts. So, you know, I'd get to drive the boat, <laughs> you know, when we had a boat that we could drive, I got to drive the boat and, you know, I'd fish for, you know, maybe an hour and I was done. He could go, he could fish for an entire weekend. Actually, there was one time where we went, he, you know, we left after I got home from school, we left on a Friday mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, okay, we're going to be gone for the night. No big deal. He brought me back home Sunday in time to get ready for bed for school. Obviously he like, he made sure I ate and stuff in between, but we, we were like two hours from home, just, just fishing the entire time. And again, like I said, I had intolerance of about an hour. So those, the, you know, the last two and a half, two, two, two days and maybe six hours of that was pretty rough for me. I, I'm not a fisherman myself, but my oldest daughter, my, my brother got her into fishing. And so we go fishing almost like every week from spring through summer into the fall. We go fishing every week in the morning, me and her get up like 430 in the morning. We're out fishing by like five, five fifteen. And she loves it. I sit there and drink coffee. We got this there nice go. stock pond about 20 miles from here. And uh, it's 14 and under. And so I take her over there. No worries. I, I take her over there and I drink coffee and watch her fish. And, and it's great because she loves it and I get to be with her. She caught her first crappie. I, I was told crappy was the wrong pronunciation for that. <laughs> But she needed to get home, get to come home and make jokes with her mom. Like she went down and woke up my wife. It's like, my wife's like, how was your fishing trip? She's like, we had a crappy fishing trip. Because <laughs> that's the way it's spelled. She thought that was hilarious that she got to say that actually. So <laughs> that's pretty good. Dude, the time you get to spend with kids, right? Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny too, because my son has, uh, he's grown to really love fishing himself as well. So right now we're at my brother-in-law's cottage. Like you mentioned, I'm on vacation here. But yeah, that's one of the big things here is just fishing for them. So it's, it's you know, maybe that, uh, that skipped, uh, skipped a generation that uh, my dad's love for fishing, you know, transcended to them. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm finding myself out there uh, trying to enjoy fishing again. I, I do enjoy the quiet now, now that I'm, you know, a bit older, I'm going to be 40 this year as well. So I, I do enjoy that quiet time, uh, you know, with especially my older son. Mm-hmm. He's, he's pretty quiet himself as well. But yeah, we, we can, we definitely enjoy that time out there. But uh but yeah, when, when my, when my dad was taking me as a kid, I had, had such a hard time with it, but you know, I did it for him. He, he, he made the sacrifice of pretending he was interested in a lot of the sports I was in and, and, you know, he was at all my basketball games when I was growing up. So, you know, those things that we do for our kids, right. You know, that's one of my favorite things about this and what I'm trying to do with the fallible man is I just, dads are universal. It doesn't matter where you live, what your background is where you, what part of the world you're from, your heritage, nothing. Dads are a universal thing. Being a man is a universal thing. Husbands, we have so much in common <laughs> with people with ev- like half of the population of the globe, right? We share so much in common with them. You can get dads together and we can talk about our kids and we can talk about being a dad. And that is just a great thing, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter what, Ever geography can divide us, politics can divide people, but there are some universal truths to this, and I'm trying to, I want men to understand 
the value they bring to the life of their children as a father, the value they bring as a husband, you know, your relationship with your wife, you work with your wife like I do on your podcast, which (laughs) I I know guys who think we're insane. (laughs) My wife is by far the smarter of the two of us. There are people who are like, how do you, how would, I don't even, it's like, man, it's, it's a beautiful thing, but it's another universal connection. And it's amazing. I, I meet so many guys who are like, uh, uh, how do you work with your wife? Well, come over to the channel. Let me share some of the things I, I do in my life that helps that work. Because you can do that too. Right? We have all this universality that connects us from... I was just interviewing with guys in Australia recently. And I've got one coming up in Scotland, I think, in a week. Okay. In Europe and Canada. <laughs> Up on the far side of Canada from me, I, I had a guest recently from Vancouver, and it's it's beautiful because we are you know thousands of miles apart, but men can connect, and we all have the same struggles as fathers, as husband, as men. We all have these universal things that we can connect on and touch on and help each other with. Absolutely, which is just an incredible journey to me, which is why I'm kind of obsessed with it. But guys, if you're getting something out of this. You know, we're keeping it really casual in this conversation, but there is a lot of truth coming out in this casual. So if you're getting something out of this, be sure and share this content content with your friends. It is the biggest compliment you could give us. Uh, if you're on YouTube, hit the like button, right? Do the whole social media thing. Yay. Like, subscribe, <laughs> all that. Oh man, I hate that nonsense. <laughs> but the minute you don't do it, like people forget, you know, hit, hit the bell yeah, icon. Absolutely. I'm guilty of it myself. I watch content all the time, have it in the background when I'm doing stuff. And then it's that reminder usually too, when somebody says, Hey, like this, if you see value in it, and then it's like, Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm oh, just, uh, you know, you, you got to recognize the the work that folks are doing. So yeah, for sure. Are you guys, do you guys put your podcast on YouTube as well? Or we're actually really starting audio. to, we, we, we hadn't been, it's just been the, uh, you know, the, the thumbnail with the audio file, but we're, we're going to start implementing, uh, start integrating video into our podcast. My, my first several podcasts, man, I just, I just turned on a video camera. I'm like, okay, yeah, might as well. I'm already talking. I might as well like turn this on, right? How much harder is that? Wow, was I in for a joke right there? Because <laughs> planning for YouTube for is me, way more complicated than planning for the audio part of this. Well, for me, it was I started doing my my other podcast, the Healthcare Security Cast, and the first time I did video, I was like, okay, I'm going to start using video with all of my episodes. And then when I tried to edit it, I, I realized, you know, my I was just naive, but my computer didn't have the bandwidth to handle it at all. It took me, I, I, I did some really quick edits on a video. Like I just put an intro in, put an outro on, trimmed a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it, it took almost like 23 hours, 21 to 23 hours to process. And then uploading it was even more of a struggle. So I've only done the one video, but you know, I've got a, got a new computer. So we're, <laughs> we're going to really, uh, we're, we're going to work on getting that content up there in video format as well. That was one of the new upgrades for 2021 was my, my new Apple. Cause I was doing everything on my laptop. Luckily I had a gaming laptop, so <laughs> it, it held on pretty solid for a while, but yeah, that was, that was a 2021 upgrade was upgrading my PC for this to handle that bandwidth guys. If you're getting something out of it, do the whole social media nonsense, but more importantly, <laughs> Share this podcast, share Brian's podcast and, you know, let's get the word out and talk to more men. We're going to roll to our sponsor and we'll be back in just a minute. Today's episode brought to you by thefallibleman.com. That's right. It's us. 
head over to www.thefallibleman.com and check out our blog, updated twice a week with new content, and links to all of our social media offerings. Tag or search us at The Fallible Man or at Fallible Man on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other social medias for daily content. While you're there, check out our attitude swag, shirts, cups, stickers, and more. Again, that's www.thefallibleman.com. Guys, and we're back with Brian Hamilton. And I know that sounds like Brian when I rush through <laughs> that like that. I'm hearing myself say it. But guys, if you believe in what we're doing here, if you want to help other men improve themselves, you want to help them grow as husbands, as fathers, you can also head over, if you believe in what we're doing, to Patreon and support us there. There's a link in my website. Or you can go to Patreon and look us up. Our supporters have direct input to the content we create. I not only create the audio podcast here, but I also create multiple channels on YouTube at this point, uh, along with eight social media presences. And guys, all of my Patreons have direct input into what we're doing and who we're talking to and the direction we're going. You can pick up some of our swag there, like the shirt I'm wearing if you like the podcast, or many, many, many other things. I'm I'm not going to flip my cap around because... I'm wearing a headset and it just messes things up. And you'll see how bad my troll hairstyle looks. <laughs> troll hair, man. <laughs> and if you want to be a member on the website, there is no cost. Okay. Come to our website, sign up for a membership. We have a brand new forum where men can just come and talk about being men. You can talk about being a dad. You can talk about being a husband. You can say, Hey, I'm doing this with my kid. Is that normal? Are they supposed to eat glue? It's a forum for men, by men, guys. Come and join it. Like I said, there's no cost to you. We just want to provide a place to have a conversation. So check it out. Brian, I'm going to ask you a deep question here. You're going to love this. Okay. What have you bought in the last year under $100 that has had the most profound impact on your life? Under $100. So there was, and you know, I haven't been super consistent with using this, but I had bought this... Bluetooth, like sleeping thing that you kind of, you know, you put on your head, it covers your eyes. So, you you know, you have that full dark, but then I can listen to an audio book while I'm asleep. Um, I, I didn't get, I, I invested in a cheaper one. I spent like 20 bucks. There's, there's a broad range of them just on Amazon. But uh, if anybody wants to get one, I'd recommend, you know, spending a little bit more than I spent. Because uh, what I find is a lot of times I wake up and it's like behind the bed. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, it was, it's good because I'm just, you know, kind of passively absorbing that content as I'm going to sleep. You just set the timer on. If you use Audible, just set the timer on Audible and it will turn off after, you know, whatever you set that time to be. And, you know, you're just learning while you're trying to uh, doze off. And if you have trouble sleeping, which I, I definitely don't, but <laughs> it, uh, you know, it, it's helpful in that sense as well. I am an insomniac. I actually have a hard time sleeping at all because I hear everything. It's not even that I can't fall asleep. It's my hearing is so keen. Like I can hear a dog whistle. Oh, wow. That I hear everything happening in my house. The summer is the best time because we crank on like the air conditioner in the room and the, like two or three fans and it helps drown out the rest of the world a little bit. I used to have to sleep with the head pump, like uh, earplugs in for me to hardly be able to sleep at all. So, and we're huge fans of Audible here on The Fallible Man. I love audiobooks. I discovered that a year and a half ago back around 2020 and it was like, oh, <gasps> How have I messed this for so long? I've got to ask: Do do you actually absorb what you're what you're listening to as you're falling asleep? 
Uh, yeah, it, it like it really depends because I again it takes me it takes me a little bit to fall asleep. So especially what I listen to before I sleep, it's like the last thing in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but yeah, I've used Audible. I had I, well, I work from home now. Prior to that, I used to do a lot of driving, so I would listen to a lot of audiobooks and podcasts while I was driving. And I found that was really you know I actually took in a lot of what I was what I was listening to. Uh, actually, one of the colleges I teach at there was I had a three hour commute there from my house, <laughs> so. You know, there and back, I could a lot of times I get through an entire book if I wanted to, and you know what I actually enjoyed that quiet time. So sometimes I would just drive in silence, uh, especially on the way back after you know a long day, because I typically taught evening courses. So I get up early, work my work day. You know, uh, my old job involved a lot of site visits, so I go to a lot of different places, interact with a lot of people, mm-hmm. and then I'd go teach. So I'd make that long trip there, teach a three hour class, make that long trip back. So it was. Uh, you know, the, that that I, I found, I learned so much uh, just in the last few years making that commute. But, the, you know, this year everything was virtual. So I've, I've just had to do it on my own and <laughs> not rely on the commute to get that, uh, get that education time in. What do you teach? So I teach at uh, Fleming College and the program, it's, it's it, the diploma program is the PSI program. So that's uh, Protection, Security and Investigations. Mm-hmm. And I teach the operational security uh, management portion of the program. Okay. Okay. I, I'm always interested. Educators fascinate me. I considered a career in education, and then I decided I like myself more than that because I don't like other people that much. No, I, I've spent I spent a lot of years working with kids, and uh, it's like I, I so I still end up working with them in various capacities. But I have a lot of respect. My sister's a teacher. My cousins are teachers. So. Uh, I'm always appreciative of people who devote themselves to education to some extent, but I was curious with your technology background, uh, where that fell into place. If that was part of it, I also work in the IT industry, my nine to five job. Okay. Well, yeah. It, so this it, this focuses more on my security background, uh, spending 15 years in the industry. So mm-hmm. essentially, here in Ontario, if anybody wants to become a security guard, there's a 40 hour licensing program that they have to do. So what I teach is the equivalent to that. And then I, I add other things into it as well. So I try to teach them some of the things that are going to be helpful when they actually get out into the workforce. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I kind of put a different spin on it. Uh, I make sure they all have a LinkedIn account before they leave my class and they've connected with some people in the industries they want to get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I reflect on my experiences again, because I, I worked as a security guard, I worked in management roles. So I, I try to share all that with them. So they, again, they just know what to expect when they get out in the field. Okay. So you said you have four kids. I do. Is that correct? That's correct. So I, have a, so I have a 12-year-old son. I have a twins, a son and a daughter who are nine and a five-year-old son. Twins. Wow. Yeah. So we, we also, um, we actually miscarried in between our twins and our youngest. So we actually almost had a, another set of twins. That was really early on, but, you know, we, I guess it, again, that's another thing that's supposed to skip a generation. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we were kind of the next in line and, you know, we, it turned out it was, uh, you know, that at least that part was true for us. We did have twins and, you know, almost had another set. My, my wife and I were a little concerned about that because we, we were both due on our families, <laughs> hers <laughs> and mine. We were both doing that dinner, generational skit. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, no, 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 let's not do that. <laughs> oh, now she's saying she wanted kids. She wanted twins. <laughs> well, you know what? You you take whatever uh, whatever you're blessed with. I'm, 
you know, I, I always, I, I we always knew that there were, that twins were a possibility. It's funny, actually, when my wife went for the ultrasound, she had told the the tech, she's like, I feel like I'm having twins. I like, I just get a feeling these are twins, and she's like, oh, oh, sweetie, everybody who everybody who comes in here thinks they're having twins. We'll we'll check for you. And then she was super surprised when she's like, oh, you are having twins. Like, no one's ever said they they felt like they were having twins, and they were actually having twins. But yeah, she's always had a really good sense. It's it's interesting. She's like, I feel like, you know, early on, she's like, I feel like I'm. I'm fertile right now is, you know, something that she said to me when we decided like, yeah, we're, we're going to, we want to grow our family. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's like she was pregnant soon after. So she's always had a good sense. And, you know, even with the, with the twins, like, yeah, she, she thought it was twins right away. Wow. That's a, it's a little scary intuition. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's, it's just interesting too. Like I know we're, we're focusing on men here, but the one thing that I, I, I observed, especially with our first son, like, you know, the first kid. So we, 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 you know, we did everything that you, you know, you're kind of told you should do or things that you think are going to be beneficial, like playing, playing the uh, classical music for them when they're in the belly, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And, you know, we, we, we spoke to our son, uh, his name's Josiah. We, we would speak to him a lot when, when he was in there. And the thing I remember, cause he was, so when he was born, he was, he was a little bit overdue. He was like, he was like nine days late. My wife had to be induced. Uh, he, he ended up being nine pounds, uh, mm-hmm. one and a half ounces. And, you know, he, Right from day one, like he was moving his neck, like right the minute he was born, he was actually moving his neck. I remember my my st- my uh, my father in law holding him, and he was like, "Oh, he's got a strong neck." Like you could tell he he's he's not really one for holding babies, so it mm-hmm. kind of freaked him out that you know his grandson's head was moving on you know day one. But I just remember, you know, when um, they handed him to my they handed him to my wife, and she said, "Hi, Josiah," and just like the way that he he actually like raised his head to look at her, and then he just rested his head on her. You know, I always remember that moment because it's like he recognized the voice when she said hello. Again, because he could lift his neck and he could like roll over on day one, which was mm-hmm. for me, I, it was it kind of threw me off. It, it actually uh, scared me when he was in the you know the little crib thing that they put them in uh, that he was able to roll over on his own. I, you know, it worried me, but yeah, he was able to do that from day one. <laughs> my my oldest was uh, three and a half, almost four weeks early. An hour after she was born, she was laying on my wife's chest. And I, I sat down on this couch that was in the room. And I started talking to my wife. It's like, hey, how you doing, baby? And my daughter picked up her head, turned completely the other direction from the way she had been facing, adjusted and focused in on where my voice was coming from and laid her head back down. And we both went, that, that's, that's not supposed to happen. Wait, nurse, hey, wait. wait. <laughs> Like, oh, you know, that that actually happens. I know well, everybody thinks it doesn't, but it's like, ah, I was a little too precise. I'm, I'm like 15 feet away. She knows exactly where I am. It's like, okay, yeah. well, now I don't feel quite so stupid for talking to my wife's belly. You know? <laughs> yeah, there's, it definitely validates everything that you were doing up till that point. Right. It was one of those things as a dad, you, you, you see people do that. You, you see that in sitcoms, right? see that in movies and, and, and then, but like when your wife is pregnant, you're like, am I, am I supposed to talk to her belly? Am I, am I actually supposed to, I feel kind of stupid here. <laughs> Everybody looking at me like, yeah, my wife's like, she would fall asleep during hockey games. We were, we were season ticket holders at the time. She, she started going to hockey games when she was like a month old, but oh wow. <laughs> you know, we, we put little earphones on, but it's still kind of loud. Yeah. So, I'm actually curious. Uh, I want to ask you something. Do you have any um, 
any, you know, guy friends that you grew up with who are still your friends to this day who also have kids and you kind of been through that journey together? I don't have as many. We moved a lot. Uh, okay. My, so my father was a minister up until he passed away. Okay. Sorry, go to full screen for me. And we'll keep talking here. Yeah, for sure. My father was a minister up until the day he passed away. Okay. Well, I should say the last year and a half of his life, two years of his life, he was dis- disabled. Five years ago, his heart, his aorta split like five oh, inches wow. straight above his heart, just whoosh, in the middle of the night. He should not have lived through it. My dad didn't work at like standard large churches or anything. My dad worked in mission-supported roles as a domestic missionary. Okay. And so we moved a great deal. We were never, in fact, until I lived here with my wife, we were never anywhere longer than two and a half to three years of my life. I've, okay. I've literally lived from coast to coast and north to south. And so you actually kind of develop a, almost a resistance to building relationships. Yeah, I could appreciate that for sure. Because every time you settle in, you turn around and move again. And, uh. There we um, go. There we go. Back on. So I I was really conservative about building strong relationships. I do actually have a handful of friends. My three best friends from high school, one of them is actually now my has been my adopted brother for years. Like his family okay. left him. He ended up moving in with us because his family was not a deal. And then they moved away and he stayed with us. And when okay. he went to the military, once he turned 18, he signed over parental rights to my parents because he had to have a guardian. Okay. So like he's literally self chosenly adopted into my family. That's awesome. Him and our two best friends from high school are still some of the closest people in the world to me. Uh, they have, our other two friends got married out of high school it was a boy and a girl and they got married out of high school. He is actually getting ready to retire from a career in the army. Okay. And they have three or four kids. I'm going to screw that up. She's going to listen to this and kick my butt. <laughs> they have three or four kids. He worked his way for, okay, Sarah's going to correct me. There we uh, go. He worked his way from like E1. He went in as an E1. He is a warrant officer three. He is as high as you can go in the military as a enlisted man. He's actually an officer. And so I've gotten to see that journey for them. And my adopted brother, like my wife and I waited many years. We were 30 before we had kids. Okay. And so my nieces, my youngest on my side of the family, my younger one is 21 this year. On my wife's side of the family, we actually have little kids. But on my side of the family, I'm the baby. My wife is the oldest. And so, like, I've watched all of my nieces grow up. I have four nieces and a nephew on that side of the family who are all adult age now. So um, my siblings and I are very close because of the moving around. Our relationship is very strong. Because that's right. what we could always, we were always taught that's what we can fall back on, right? Family is, yeah. family is everything for us. So I've gotten to go through it with them. I've gotten to be a part of it with them. They're all actually really enjoying the fact that I have little kids now compared to them. 
And then my wife is the oldest in her family, and she has two brothers and a sister who all have children. Okay. And one, the oldest boy is a little bit older than my oldest, but then it's my kids down. They've kind of fit all together. So it's been a really exciting time. Uh, and like my friend's kids have come through with them and so they know my kids. And so it is cool to be able to see other people take that leap. I was also a youth minister for a number of years. And so I worked with not only teenagers, but also little kids as well. Okay. No, that's, that's really cool. Like, it, it's interesting too, because like, you know, I have one friend who, well, I, you know, I, my childhood friend was this guy, his name was Vanek. He pa- unfortunately passed away a few years ago. He got colon cancer really young and, uh, you know, obviously uh, it was, you know, it was tough to see him uh, kind of go downhill really quickly, but um, there was him. And then there's uh, my, my best friend to this day, Patrick. We've known each other since we were 12. Uh, we got married a year apart. We had our, our first kids like six months apart. So we've kind of been through that journey together. Oh, yeah. and I, re- I remember calling him one day and I was excited because diapers were on sale. And then like, I'm telling him, I'm like, I never would have imagined when we were playing basketball, you know, when we were playing uh, basketball together and against each other when we were kids that we'd be talking, we'd be excited about diapers one day. He's like, yeah, it's, you know, kind of the, the, the nature of things, those, uh, you know, those different stages of life. So it's always, it's cool to have people to kind of go through that with. Um, I can relate to you in that we moved a lot as well. Um, not because my dad was a minister by any means, but, um, you know, we just, for whatever reason, we moved a lot just because of our circumstances. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I had a little bit of apprehension about making friends with people as well. So Vanek, he actually, he lived about an hour away from me, but he was like my first real friend. So my my dad, he went out of his way to, on the weekends, bring him over and he would spend the weekends at our house and then he would drive him back on Sunday. But, we, you know, so we maintained that relationship for a very long time. They paid for long distance because, you know, we have all these phone plans now where you can just make a long distance call on your cell phone. But mm-hmm. back then we we had all these different codes that we had to use. So we we maintained that uh, that friendship, you know, like out, up into adulthood. My wife and I's relationship was built from opposite sides of the country. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, three years of long distance phone calls and her writing letters and me occasionally writing a letter, you know, but mainly long distance bills because, you know, I, I'm 41. So, yeah, I, I paid a lot of a lot of calling cards, a lot of long distance <laughs> pages. So question of the show, guys. If you could be doing something with your life other than what you are doing right now, what would it be? Comment down in the comments. Tell us if you could be doing something else with your life, if you had your choice other than what you are doing right now. And I'm not talking like, oh, I'd I'd be a millionaire. No, no. If you could be doing something else, right? Making a living, carrying your life forward, doing something else, what would it be? Comment down below. Share your dreams and hopes, guys, because I've got some news for you. You can do it. I absolutely believe you can do it. And I have a feeling that Brian agrees with me on this one. So comment down below. I answer all the comments on the videos and constant. You know what? You can comment on the podcast as well. There's some cool new platforms. I found one today. uh, I'll tell you about later that uh, for listening to podcasts is actually designed as a social network. So you can share podcasts with friends and it's kind of like suggestions for friends. You make friends on it and be like, Oh dude, I just listened to this one right? It's a podcast based social app. It's kind of cool. <laughs> That's cool. Comment below guys. Now moving forward, Brian, you said you waited until 30 to start your journey until self-improvement into self-improvement. Right. 
don't feel bad. I was 40. And <laughs> you wish you had started sooner. So most people just kind of need a clear starting point. And if you were starting again, right, if we rolled back the dice and took you back to 30 and you realize, hey, I want to grow. I want to improve myself with some of the knowledge you have now. What would the first three steps you would take to get started on that journey be? And well, the first thing I would do is start looking at finances, because even still, it was really later in my 30s when I actually really started to focus on finances. So that would be the first thing. Uh, I would just solidify what I wanted to, what I actually wanted to learn and just dedicate, you know, I would schedule time to make sure I'm focusing on those skills. That'd be the second thing. So skill development, um, I would work on. So, okay. So I'll give you, I'll just give you three things. So skill development would be number one, uh, networking. And then the third thing would be mentorship, uh, both being a mentor and being mentored. Now, from the perspective of skill development, for me, it was really, I, I wanted to focus on one skill. And at the time it was public speaking because I was terrified of public speaking. I didn't like being in front of a crowd. I got really nervous. I would start sweating. Even if I knew what I was talking about and I knew the group, it was difficult for me. So I I started doing this at work. So I started speaking at staff meetings. I volunteered to uh, to do that. And ironically, what I started speaking about was the reporting software that we were using, which, you know, years later, it's the company I work for now. Uh, that's how I became familiar with the product. But started talking about that. So it was something I was comfortable with. And I was just prepared to be bad at it until I was good at it. I read books about public speaking, watched videos about public speaking, did Toastmasters, read books about communication. So I just really focused on that one thing until I was comfortable enough with it to move on to something else. And again, it's that compound effect that I was talking about where, you know, you just try to get a little bit better each day. And then, you know, without really noticing it, you progress. And then when you look back a month later, six months later, a year later, you've gotten so much better at that one competency. And for me, public speaking was what I wanted to work on, but communication was the other thing I wanted to improve in. And they're, they're obviously related skills, they're intertwined. So I was able to focus on two things that kind of benefited each other. So I think that kind of propelled my, my learning in that area a little bit. Uh, in terms of networking, I, I don't really like to use the word networking. I like to think of it more as relationship building because that's what it really is. Networking is kind of the buzzword that people know. But again, I started doing this really late. But just um, really connecting with the people who who I knew, uh, either you know in the workplace, the work environment that I was in, outside of that work environment, and then just those within my industry. Because again, you never know where those connections are going to lead. You're you're, you're going to meet some very interesting people along the way. And, and again, if I talk about the job that I'm in now, it goes back again to that reporting software that I was using. The person who came to do our training, uh, she had come from Massachusetts at the time to Toronto to do our training. And now she's my boss many, again, many years later, but made that connection with her when, um, when she first came. And again, I wasn't in a management role at the time. I was a security guard, but I maintained that relationship, maintained that contact with her and now I have a great working relationship with her. Uh, so again, those industry specific contacts, those outside of your industry, and then mentorship is the big thing as well. So again, learning from someone. So I, I, I identified someone as a mentor and I actually approached them. It was it was difficult for me to, again, just kind of trying to get over that. It was more of a lack of confidence for me, but I'm like, you know, is this person really going to want to invest their time in me? But I, you know, I just asked them for mentorship. And I said, why? Like I said, I want to do, one day I want to do what you're doing. You already know how to get there. And, you know, if you wouldn't mind, if you could find some free time or if you could 
if you're willing to give up your time, I'm a, you know, I, I want to learn. And the person was actually more than willing, uh, did a lot for me in terms of really launching my career, introducing me to a lot of the right people, teaching me the right things, kind of directing me towards the right opportunities. And, and again, I had the opportunity to mentor others. So, you know, even though I wasn't in a leadership role, um, I was able to mentor people who were, you know, new employees, for example, I did a lot of the training. And then when I started teaching, I was able to mentor all of my students to some degree, right? So whether it's a formal mentor like I had or an informal mentor, I had a lot of those, the people who are really teaching you without necessarily knowing they're teaching you, you're learning from their example. Again, my first mentor was my dad. I I learned so much from my dad without him. Sometimes it was deliberate. Other times I was just learning from observation. And I'm, I'm sure you can relate to that as well. But again, those are the three things. I would focus on developing some skills, focus on building my my network or just building those relationships and then mentorship. Guys, I want you to really hone in on what he just said there, because if you paid attention to what he was saying, he would focus in on developing himself. We, we, we are often taught to feel guilty about developing ourselves and taking time to build ourselves and improve ourselves, right? We're, we're taught that's selfish, uh, and, and it's so wrong. Taking time to if you want to grow, if you want to build yourself and improve yourself, well, you can't do that unless you focus on yourself, build your skills, invest in you, build your knowledge, invest in you, get into a mentorshipping. It's, it's actually interesting that you said that because I just had uh, Sam Thiara on not long ago, who is a big mentorship person. And we, we had an in-depth conversation on mentorship, but I, I find so many guys who Right, people that we would call really successful, right? Like the billionaires and crap like that. They're like, and if you ask any of them, they're like, find mentors. And it's like it's like finance. We don't teach that in school. We don't teach kids, hey, find a mentor, work with them, find somebody who is where you want to be, or higher, and you know, get them to mentor you. So it's interesting that those are the points you bring up. It's amazing some of the things you learn as you start to do the podcast, right? You, you start to hear some really common repeated ideas like, oh, look, people who are succeeding at their goals have some really foundational things that they go back to every time, right? It's a common thread. Yeah. So go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, there's definitely some universal truth and the, the truth doesn't change, right? No matter who it's coming from, you know, you can hear the same message from a number of different people, but again, there, there's a reason why these things work. Oh, oh don't you know, it, it's all, it's my truth is my truth, your truth is your truth, right? <laughs> and it, you know, it's funny, I, I want to hone in on one thing that you said too, because you talk about a lot of push and especially, again, I think because your dad was a minister too, there's a lot of focus on others. That we kind of come up with, I, you know, and my background, I'm I'm Christian as well myself, and again, you you focus a lot on others and not as much on yourself, and y- you can you're not really in a position to help others until you actually truly do some things for yourself. You know, when you're when you're on a flight, you know, I haven't been on one for a long time, <laughs> given this pandemic, but when you're on a flight, one of the things that they tell you in the you know when they're going over the emergency drills is if you need to use the oxygen bags. Put what put the put the oxygen on yourself before you put it on another person, right? It's that right. same idea. 
You know, you, you can't help anybody if you pass out. Help yourself first, and then you're capable of helping others. And that's one of the things I've seen with mentorship programs. You know, if you if you take care of you, you are then in a position where you can take care of other people as well. So, hey, are you a, are you a journal guy? I got to ask. You know what? I'm not. I've I've tried a couple of times. I've, I I can't really say I've tried. I haven't given it a great effort. I've had the book on my nightstand. I'm like, I'm going to start journaling. I started bullet journaling for like one day. But you know what? I see a lot of value in it. It's something that uh, I feel like I should start doing, but I, I just haven't. <laughs> like I said, it's like talking to a mirror, man. I was, like I keep I, – I, it's one of those things, common threads I hear, right? It's like, oh, yeah, and, you know, I, I journal almost every day. And I like I keep hearing that, and I keep looking at it going, yeah, I tried that a couple times. I, I still have the really mostly empty books. That, <laughs> that, that made like a week that time. That that time I made it like two weeks, and then I intermittently over the next three months. <laughs> you know, and, it, and it's one of those things too because I just got finished saying like for me a lot of it is like I don't know what to write, but I just finished saying too like I was comfortable being bad at something until I wasn't bad at it, and I guess I should apply again. It's sometimes it's easier to give the advice than it is to actually adhere to it, but I think I may you, you know you, you kind of struck a chord for me. I may have to apply that to journaling. <laughs> I just, I just laugh because I, I see a lot of people, like I said, they just, oh, yeah, journaling is such an, you, you have to see the something, you have to see the value in something personally before you can really make it stick for you, right? And I yeah. just, I'm not at a point where I look at the value. I, I understand in theory there's some pluses to it, right? But it's the difference between that whole theoretical knowledge and actually getting my brain to go, oh, no, this is a good idea, right? But, but I got to ask, right, because you've had a, a pretty good run um, reading your job and how you're doing with that and that you get to teach and stuff like that. You've, do you feel like you've been successful in growing yourself so far? Like, I don't think you're done, but do you feel oh, like no, I'm it's been a successful path? Definitely not path? done, but, but yeah, I, I think I've put myself in the, some of the right positions. I, I definitely, again, you, you, I, you know, I kick myself sometimes when I think about what I could have accomplished if I had started earlier, but you know, there's the old adage that the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And the second best time is today. So, you know, just start with where, where you are, but no, I, for me, I, I definitely feel like I've grown a lot again, especially doing podcasts, being someone who was scared of speaking in front of people to now doing podcasts, doing live events, speaking at conferences, things of that nature. That that's been a, again, that was my biggest stumbling block. And I knew if I wanted to get into management roles or, you know, even the job I'm doing today, it's the, the bulk of it, it, the most important part of it is doing presentations. Mm -hmm. So if I didn't, if I didn't work on that, and again, this wasn't ever a role that I thought I would be in. It wasn't something that I pictured for myself, but again, if I hadn't been working on those skills, I would probably be, I probably would have had a a lot steeper learning curve getting into this role Or, or it probably wouldn't have even been a possibility to be honest. Trust me, this this was not on the radar a year and a half ago, man. Um, I just, I am like right at my one year start time for my my podcast. I started recording. I officially released them September first, my first ten podcasts. Okay, but I recorded ten, so that way, like, I I could hit the new and noteworthy and all that stuff, right? The research and learn you should do. So I recorded like five or ten. Right, I recorded five and released five. And then release the next five on top of that that are pre-recorded, so that way I could establish not only do I have a collection, but I I'm regular, right? Yeah. Buy myself a catalog to build some time. 
I started that, like I released those officially that started September 1st, but you know, it was, it was this second half of August where I'm, I'm in my office with a microphone recording and, and doing all the work, doing all the editing and stuff like that. And man, it, it, seriously, a year ago, like a year and a half ago, you told me I'd be doing this. I, I would have laughed at you so hard. Um, and masculinity has just been under attack for the last several years, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not wearing it. I, I will actually I'll pull it off. Ah, there we go. Yes. <laughs> you know what? And it, it's funny because I was just thinking this myself while you were talking is like, we hear this terminology of toxic masculinity being thrown around. And I don't think there's anything toxic about being masculine, about masculinity. Like, well, I guess here, let's, let's kind of just take it back. How would you define masculinity? I think masculinity, I mean, if we really want to boil it down, masculinity is a mix of as, as a biological construct is a mix of chemicals, right? By the biological cocktail in your body, you are masculine. Um, I had a doctor on the other day and I mean, men have 75 per, or 400 times the amount of test. I think it's like 400 times the amount of testosterone that women do. Right. Mm -hmm. and, but it's not just testosterone, right? There's other chemicals in the mix. There's a difference between being male and being a man. But if you want to get to a biological constraint, it's a biological cocktail that's born into the male of our species, right? If you want to get into a more social construct, construct, masculinity is men who stand up for the others, who take care of their responsibilities, who nurture the next generation, who are strong and confident in who they are, enough to have conversations with people, enough to let other people be other people, right? I don't have to be right all the time. I don't have to agree with everybody I talk to. Yeah. I don't have to tell you how you have to do something just because I'm physically larger or stronger. Masculine men to me don't need to exercise their physical prowess to prove they're masculine. A lion doesn't have to tell anybody it's a freaking lion, right? Yep. Sharks don't swim around the ocean going, huh, I'm a shark. Look out. Everybody knows. Right. A big lion's like <laughs> lazing around all day until it's time to work. And when he decides to work, nobody is safe and everybody understands that he is in charge. Right. And to me, that's the way masculinity manifests itself at a societal level. I don't have yeah. to prove anything. I've got nothing to prove. I don't have to prove I'm bigger or stronger. I don't have to go intimidate other guys who are physically smaller than me or have different ideas than me. I don't have to show anything. I can be who yeah. I am. I can be strong in who I am. I can support people. I can be gentle when I need to be gentle. I can be strong when I need to be strong. But to me, you automatically forfeit that right of being a man when you have to suppress others in any way, right? It, it really, I mean, I don't even know how to define it cleanly, but at a societal level, if you have to walk around and be like, I'm a man, you're, you're not just, just put it away. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, there's a little bit of confidence that's in their leadership, assertiveness, a lot of the things that you mentioned, but I guess what, what I want to get at it is like, what, how can any of that possibly be toxic? I think right, right. If if you're if you're talking about what people call toxic masculinity, you're not talking about masculinity at that point. It's just toxic behaviors. Whether it's someone who's 
super aggressive or, you know, like the example that you gave, someone who has to be demeaning to other people should make other people feel like less to bring themselves up. There's nothing masculine about that. Right. And I don't, you know, there has to be a distinction between the two. So I, I love that hat. I actually saw that when I was on your, uh, I think when I was on your website and I was like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta get one of those. <laughs> Cause uh, you know, we're kind of thinking right on the same, uh, the same wavelength there. We're on definitely on the same page in terms of masculinity. And well, and people, you know, it, people look at the, right. The whole boys being boys thing, right. Boys roughhouse. It's, it's and it goes back to the biological chemical cocktail, right? Yeah, there is a need to, and it's, and it's not even necessarily to suppress other boys. Men need order, right? That's why men do better in the military, or men do better in certain professions, even like as police officers. Yes, women can do it absolutely. One hundred percent. My wife's best friend is a female officer, and she's amazing. But. Men do better in that structure personally, not like they perform better. They just, they function better because it's, it's a hierarchical construct, right? That's why boys will be boys because boys are a pack animal and we need to know who is the leader of the group. You, you, you can't go anywhere. I mean, you can look around everywhere and that can be in the business office. That can be in the schoolyard. I can be in the military. That can be anywhere you want to go where men are involved in groups. There will be a definitive leader to that group. Absolutely. And it's just because our, our brains recognize the hierarchical construct of organization. That's just the way our brains work. It's not a, we're trying to bully somebody. It's not a, we're trying to, we're super. No, it's, it's, that is the construct of the way our brain works. And that's not a, well, we're, we're, you're just taught that. No, on, that's biologically. That's where our brain functions. There are uh, definitive differences between the male brain and the female brain. Uh, I had a great conversation with a psychiatrist the other day. And there's, there will always be a difference between the way a man's brain works and a female's brain works. Yeah, we're, we're different, but there's nothing wrong with that. No. And and you're absolutely right. Like I see it with my three sons and my daughter, just the way that they do things just naturally with the same two parents who, you know, they grow, they're in the same house. There are certain things like, obviously they're all, all four of them are unique personalities, Mm -hmm. but there's certain elements that all three boys have, you know, the rough housing, all that stuff that doesn't exist in my daughter necessarily. And instinctively when the three of them are together, one of them kind of emerges as the ringleader, right? Yes. And instinctively, as they get older, they may tease their sister, but God help anybody who messes with her. Especially yeah. if they're all are predominantly, you said two of the three are older. Or yeah. She the so baby? yeah. So my the the twins. Um, the my son was actually born before my daughter, so he's one minute older. So he he has that on her. <laughs> In, instinctively, they in, are instinctively born with a protective nature to protect the female of the clan period. They will protect their mother with their life. They will protect their sister with their life. No matter how much they razz each other, it is biologically encoded at a genetic level, right? We, we all know the females do most of the hunting in a, in a lion pack, right? In, in the pride of lions, females do most of the, the work because it burns a great deal of energy for a male lion to do anything. But if, the lion pride is under attack or actually under threat. God help anybody who gets in front of that male lion. 
And, I mean, female lions are, are forced to be reckoned with. But I've seen a male lion turn an entire herd just by spinning around. Because it's like, oh, wait, <laughs> we, we woke up grumpy. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah, There's just a I, biological imperative to protect the females of the species. Well, and even each other, like my, I remember my older son, my, you know, my oldest son and uh, the next son, you know, they, again, rough housing, they get mm -hmm. into it with each other all the time. They, you know, we have to, we have to try to correct them from insulting each other. Like I know it's all part of growing up when they get older. Right. You know, hopefully that's, that's not going to be the case. Typically it's not going to be the case, but you know, as much as they fight, I remember there was a, one of the kids in my older son's class who was, you know, roughing up my younger son a little bit. And he, as much as they fight at home, like, you're not doing that to my brother. And, you know, we had probably one of the first fights at the Christian school that we send them to. <laughs> you know, the, So we, you know, we got the, we got the call home, but um yeah, it's that that protective mentality too for the, the you know the the smaller the smaller ones as well. Oh yeah, my my brother is forty eight, my oldest brother, and there's no doubt in my mind that he would still come to my rescue. I don't need him to come to my rescue, but he would still come to my rescue because that's who he is, right? There is just I I understand that we have the ability to surpass certain things with our cognitive abilities as men. But there are biological imperatives to the hierarchy in which our brain works and accepts society. And they're not negative, but they're criticized as negative because, well, I, I still don't understand why. Because you, you can't judge an entire species based on some bad rotten eggs, right? You don't throw yeah. out an entire harvest because you got two or three bad apples, right? You don't throw out the entirety of the female species because Hillary Clinton's psycho. I'm sorry. Was that out loud? Something just slipped yeah, around. Did I think that or did I say that? <laughs> sorry. That was my inside voice. My bad. Um, but it's, we, we don't do that to any other group, right? We don't take the very worst examples of that and go, this is the whole group. Yeah. But that's what this whole toxic masculinity surge has been is all men are rapists. No, we, we throw them in prison. And most guys who are actually men, yeah, you, if we catch them wanna... in a dark alley, we'll, we'll deal with that too. Yeah. Well, even, even there's a code of conduct within, with, within that construct. You don't want right. to go in there with that rap. <laughs> exactly. Right. There, there is a order to the predators and men who hurt women and children are the bottom of that. Yeah. They're and right don't at the bottom do of well, Right. Yeah. I, I, I have a friend who is a prison minister and only, only chaplain in Washington who walked a row. And yeah, he, he's like, they, they put them in protective custody in special units. Cause if they hit Jim pop it's done. Oh yeah. So, I mean, even, even among there, in, even among the criminal world, there is still a biological imperative to protect the weak. You, you can stick somebody up. You can rob somebody. You can murder somebody. You hurt a weaker sex. You hurt a woman. You hurt a child. You're done, right? But somehow we made all men those. We're judging an entire species. Uh, sorry, I, I can go on for a long time. I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> 
it's yeah, part I feel of, like I, str- I struck a chord there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I apologize. I, I can get going pretty long on that one. But I mean, uh, it, it's the foundation of what I'm doing. So that's why I'm here. No, and, and like I said, it's, it's the important conversations to be had and, you know, it, it's necessary. A lot of us, a, a lot of us, you know, didn't have the example that, you know, you or myself had and, you know, a father who, you know, definitely wasn't perfect, but mm-hmm. did teach us a lot of what we needed to know to function in society and, and be able to be a good father, be a good husband. So ha- having this platform to do that is, is, is a great thing. Well, my, my, I, I'm a very ones and zeros kind of person, right? Um, this, this, why it works for me is this, I, I, I can't count how many times I've talked with the owner of a piece of equipment and been like, there's nothing wrong with it. You screwed it up. Really? The, the amount of effort it takes to make this mistake, the machine is not possible. You, you did this, right? <laughs> that's, that's why I like it. But I, I'm a logic person, right? Yeah. I would not judge any species, race, group, anything by a handful of people. And so the fact that there's been this turn really, I mean, it's been a gradual thing over 50 or 60 years, 70 years now, but in the last five years, it has become dogmatic and it's all on, here's this handful of really bad people. So you're all bad. And I'm worried about the next generation. I'm worried about little boys growing up being told that everything they naturally feel they're naturally inclined to do is evil and wrong. Yeah. We haven't even begun to test the ramifications of that yet. Growing up your whole life, believing everything that is instinctive to you is wrong and bad and makes you a bad person. Um, I'm, I'm terrified about what that's going to do, but we'll get back on track. Cause I can <laughs> soapbox this forever. Me too. So what is next for you? You know what? It's uh, it, it's funny. I could kind of say the I, there's a couple of things that are on the go. Um, I guess the one thing is uh, my wife and I right now are we're trying to purchase our first investment in real estate property. So that's something that hopefully will be happening really soon. Uh, again, just kind of expanding our horizons. Uh, we're doing a lot with the podcasts. Again, we we just started as a platform to help people, giving us learning, giving us the opportunity, much like you and Sarah are doing to to do something together, mm-hmm. and uh, you know just really seeing where that goes. So we don't we don't necessarily have a plan, like you said, we don't we don't know where it's going to end up, but you know we're just we're just working it, and you know we'll we'll see where it takes us. So yeah, just I guess for me, just uh, stay tuned, watch for the content, and uh, hopefully. What, what what I'm sharing, uh, what what Britannia and I are sharing, is going to be helpful, and hopefully, you know, this discussion has been helpful for people as well. Sarah, you want to put his site across the screen, guys? If you are on the audio podcast, this will be there will be a link in the description so that you can find Brian and Tanya and what they're doing. Uh, if you're on the pod, YouTube podcast, it's on the screen right now, but it will also be in the show description. It will be in the show notes on the audio. Guys, go check out Disrupt the Everyday Podcast. Go check out and see what they're doing. They are having some really interesting conversations. I enjoyed it a lot earlier today. Like I said, I was listening to it at work. And they have a variety of guests, but they all have such a unique perspective and thoughts to bring. It's incredible, the information they're sharing. Thank you for putting up with us ranting and having a good time today. (laughs) Brian, thank you for coming on the the podcast. uh, Thank you for having me. Guys, be better tomorrow because of what you do today. We'll see you next time. This has been the Fallible Man Podcast. Your home for everything man, husband, and father. 
be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a show. Head over to www.thefallibleman.com for more content and get your own Fallible Man gear.